Hi, welcome to season two of the Purpose Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Kari Hurd. I'm dubbing this season, Single Mom Truths, and we're gonna be breaking the status quo and heading in a whole new direction. Join me and my extraordinary guests, some new and some returning, for open and uncensored conversations about all the things. We'll share stories and experiences that'll change your old mindset, stir your spirit, and light a fire inside. It's my mission to inspire all moms to stop surrendering to their old stories about what life should look like and start creating a life that lights them the fuck up. So if you're ready to live your life by your rules, let's go. Hello, welcome back. Um, This episode is actually going to probably be one of the most vulnerable that I have done to date, not in the sense that I'm going to get like all emotional about it. Cause honestly, it's something that I have moved past. I've worked through, you know, I, it doesn't cause me any pain or anything to talk about, but in the sense that this is probably the most personal thing that I have ever shared on here. And you know, the funny part is it's not like I've been keeping it a big secret. People who are sort of part of my inner circle know this story. So it's not like it's a big secret. Um, it just felt really vulnerable to make it public to all of you, especially because, and I, I really, one of the reasons I waited so long is I wanted to get to a place where I thought that my girls would be okay with it because it does involve their dad. And, um, you know, as, as you'll hear from the story, as I go through that, like, it's some pretty personal stuff about him. And, you know, I just, I wanted to be respectful of them and make sure that they were okay with it. So they are a hundred percent okay with it. Um, and, and, you know, just out of respect for him, I'm not going to use his name. Like I said, if you're in my inner circle, you know him and it's not that big of a deal. My purpose in telling the story isn't to badmouth him or, you know, place blame or do anything like that. It's just simply to share my story. So if you didn't catch by the title or if you didn't hear the title or whatever, this really, this whole episode is the story of how I became a single mom. And it, you know, there's so many details that I could include. And I, you know, I'll try not to bore you with a lot of the, the minute details, but I do want to start. It actually probably started like five years, even before we split, not that things at that point were like bad, but I very vividly remember after our oldest was first born, I very vividly remember rocking her in her room at night when she was just little, tiny, and having this feeling that I was going to be a single mom. I, I don't know where it came from. I, you know, it wasn't something I wanted. I wasn't sitting there wishing for it, but I would sit there and I would rock her and I would just... I just remember thinking and feeling that I was going to be. And, you know, I used to try to kind of shake it off. I didn't want to like wish for it or anything like that. And honestly, if I, 
knew then what I know now about manifestation. I, I clearly, it was something that was destined to happen and I was, you know, calling it in because I, I literally attached to that feeling, but that's for another whole episode. Um, but so here's what actually kind of happened. And like I said, I'm going to, I'm going to leave out a lot of the, the background details because they're not necessarily relevant. What you do need to know is that the girl's dad up until this point had, um, I was starting to notice patterns of alcohol abuse and alcoholism. And I recognized it because I grew up with a father who, my biological father, um, who was a horrible drunk. And so what I started to notice weren't so much, it didn't start necessarily with patterns, but it started with feelings inside of me where like when he would drink, even just socially, I would get certain feelings that I was connecting with my childhood. And what I noticed is that grew over time and his drinking increased over time and whatever. So we got to a point after Cameron was born where things were getting pretty rocky. Like his drinking was, you know, it was getting very intrusive into our marriage. There was lying that was happening and hiding of booze and, and a lot of just typical behaviors you would see of someone who is an alcoholic. And for a long, long time, I tried really hard to do what I could to try to help him move through it and move past it. Um, I'm sure, I'm 100% sure there were things that I did that were not helpful. You know, I, I would get demanding about things and I would, like, the more his drinking was out of control, then the more I tried to, like, reign in control of our family life. And, and I've told the story before of, like, or you kind of used this example before of like, I, for a while, I had like a very specific cleaning schedule. Like Monday we did laundry and Tuesday we did bathrooms and Wednesday we cleaned the kitchen and Thursday, like I was super anal about it. And like I fucking color coded shit and I like, I was super anal because I was trying to manage the emotional chaos that I was feeling is really what it was. I was outwardly managing so that I could feel like my insides were managed and under control, if that makes any kind of sense, you know. Um, so his drinking was increasing and getting more intrusive into our relationship. And so at the end of the summer of 2005... It was like the end of summer, early fall. He and I decided to go to marriage counseling together. And I don't remember. We got the name of somebody and we started going. And I very vividly remember that it was a beautiful, beautiful day in September. And we were supposed to have an appointment at, you know, whatever time. I was a teacher, obviously, at the time, and we were just going to meet at the therapist's office after I got done with school. And he was supposed to 
drop the girls off at a friend of ours house who was going to babysit for us while we went to counseling. And this was early days of cell phones. And I remember my friend calling and saying, hey, you know, what time is he going to drop the girls off because they're not here yet? And I was like, wow, that's really weird because our appointment's in like 10 minutes or something like that. It was just bizarre. And I kind of, it became one of those moments where like the next 30 minutes of my life are one big blur because to me it happened in like five seconds. I don't remember how I finished my conversation with her. I don't remember how I discovered that I needed to head towards our home. Like, I don't remember if I talked to their dad or how that all played out. I just remember that after I got off the phone with my friend, I drove towards our home, which was like in the opposite direction of therapy or whatever. And it was like a 20 minute drive. And I, I don't, rem I literally don't remember that half hour of like when I talked to her by the time I got to, to, you know, where I was going. Um, but I pulled up, like we had this certain route, right? That we went to and from, that I took to and from work or whatever. And I pulled up and I knew I was pulling, I knew what I was pulling up to, but I didn't know what to expect. What had happened was that there had been a car accident with him and the girls very near our house, like when he had left our house. Um, and I knew about that before I got there. Like I, I must have talked to him at some point, but I don't remember the conversation. Um, and I, I pulled up onto what was the scene of the accident and I saw his car on the opposite side of the road from the direction he was driving in the ditch and it had literally barrel rolled to get into the ditch now where it was it was this big huge s curve in the road it was actually quite a dangerous curve um, and when I pulled up you know, I, I remember the police officers kind of giving me the lowdown on some of the logistics. And then, you know, I checked on the girls to make sure that they were okay and they were fine. Um, and I remember looking at their dad and I just said, please tell me you weren't drinking or so, something to that effect. And he looked me dead in the eye and was like, I was not drinking. I was not drinking. I was not drinking. And, um, at that point, the police officer said, you know, there had been some kind of witness who saw it and supposedly there had been like a squirrel that crossed the road and he swerved to miss it. And, um, I, this, like I said, the whole, this piece of the puzzle is just such a blur, but, um, I was with, there were two officers on the scene and I was with one of the officers and the girls and like making sure that they were okay and like taking care of them. And, and the second officer came over and told me that their dad had blown a 0.22, which is almost three times the legal limit. Um, and then, and I, 
I can laugh about this now in the moment. Obviously, it was not funny, but the officer that I had been kind of, spent, you know, hanging out with and because I was with one officer and the girls and then the other guy was kind of processing through with their dad. The gentleman that I had been talking to and spending, hanging out with was, um, he, he could sense and see how angry I was. And he literally had to like hold me back. Like I was so, so angry. And I just, I looked at their dad and I said, how could you lie to me? And how could you do this to the girls? Like I was so furious. Um, and I remember that I, the only thing I asked was that if they were going to put him in the police car to, you know, cause they had to, obviously he'd been drunk driving. So they took him to jail, um, was that they didn't handcuff him or at least make it so that the girls didn't have to see that. I didn't want them to see their dad like that. So that happened. And then obviously he went off to jail and I gathered myself together. And then the girls and I, I think we went and spent the night with my mom or something like that. So that was the first major, major incident. And then, you know, there's like weeks and weeks of court dates and lawyers and fees. And, you know, he, when he got out of jail, we had long conversations about like, you know, he needed some kind of treatment and this and that. We, so we had conversations about it and we made some decisions about, you know, he was going to do certain things in order. And then I was, he would come home. And so he came home and, um, we spent the next six months or so, um, six or eight months working on things or whatever. And then I got home from school. So by this time the school year is almost done and it's the springtime. And it was, there was a chunk of time where he wasn't working. And in hindsight, I'm guessing it had to do with his drinking, although he never told me that. Um, and I walked in the door. He had been home that day. And when I got home, the lawnmower was in the yard, but he wasn't there, which wasn't super unusual other than I, you know, I assumed he had gone to pick up the girls, which he had because they had gone to daycare. And then the daycare lady called and she said, you know, I, this is really, she, cause she kind of knew the history of what had happened in the fall. I kind of tried to keep her abreast just because I wanted her to know, like if the girls were acting strange or if, I don't know, I just felt like she was somebody who kind of needed to know what was going on. And so we fast forward, she calls me on this day and she says, you know, I, this is none of my business and I am not trying to pry. And I, you know, if I am, she said, if I am wrong, I am so, so, so terribly sorry. But he was just here to pick up the girls and my husband and I were in the yard playing with all the kids. And she said, I would have sworn he was drunk. She goes, I can't prove it. I don't know. And if I'm wrong, I am so sorry. And I, you know, she felt really, really bad. And I was like, you know, don't feel bad. Um, but th you know, thank you for telling me. And while I was on the phone with her, they all came home and the girls came running in the house and mom, you know, and they're saying hi. And he never came in the house. He went straight back to mowing the lawn, which was fine. Except while I was talking to her, I was watching him like stumble around the yard trying to mow. So 
I, I told her, I said, you know what? They just got home. They're safe. Thank you for telling me. I don't know, but I have a feeling you are not wrong and I will keep you posted. So I hung up with her and this was another one of those moments where like the next half hour was kind of a blur, but he came in the house. We got into like just a verbal, I don't want to say altercation makes it sound like so domestic or whatever, but like we got into a verbal altercation and I told him he needed to leave and he wouldn't leave and he wouldn't leave. Um, so I called 911 and in the meantime, he did end up getting in our car and leaving at which point he actually ended up getting pulled over just outside of our neighborhood. And again, blue like point, it was somewhere in the same vicinity, like 0.22 or 0.24, or 0.18 or somewhere in there right around that point two mark. And so he had again, for a second time, driven with our girls in the car after drinking. And so he got taken to jail. We had more of the weeks and weeks of um, court dates and lawyers and all of that business. And at that point, I told him I didn't want him to come home, at least not for a while. And so he moved in with some friends of ours and I would let the girls go visit over there as long as other people were around. Everything was all kind of supervised and things like that. And he just, he wasn't keeping clean. And eventually he and I kind of, we sat down one night on the phone and it, it was all very civilized. He and I just had a conversation and sort of mutually decided that, you know what, this wasn't going to work. And so we had, like I said, we had this mutual conversation and decided to split. And so he used his attorney and I got an attorney and we went through the divorce process. Um, so that's kind of the story. Um, some people hear it, I guess for me, when I talk about it, it's just... Like I said in the beginning, I've worked through it and I've moved past it. Other people hear it and they're, they're shocked and they're stunned. Um, you know, so, you know, take it how you want to take it. I just really felt like this was the time and the platform to share this story sort of publicly like this. Like I said, it's not something that I've been like hiding or that I'm shameful of or that I'm perfectly happy not happy. I'm perfectly comfortable talking about it, sharing about it or whatever. It was just something that I, I hadn't put out there. Like I said at the beginning, just, you know, for the sake of my kids, like, because this is all information that for them is relatively new information, especially for my youngest. She really just found out a lot of this a year ago. And my oldest, maybe two years ago, maybe something like that. So for them, they're still processing some of it and absorbing some of it. And, you know, they obviously still have some emotions around it and some things to work on. So, um, yeah, but like I said, I just, this felt like the right time and the right platform to share about this. Um, I know, I, and I think I wanted to share because I think that, so many of us who are divorced have, there's a story behind it. I don't care what it is. It doesn't have to be as dramatic as my story. It can, it doesn't, it 
maybe it's an infidelity, maybe it's just something where you actually just grew apart. You know, it doesn't have to be this big dramatic or traumatic event or story, but there's still a story there. There's still hurt there. There's still, and I think that a lot of times we, we, like I know for me, I had a hard time early on telling people, well, I mean, for a lot of reasons, obviously, like for me, it was really emotional to think that my children had been in that situation. Um, but also there's shame around it. And I wanted to share today because I want to get rid of that shame and that stigma for people that no matter what your divorce story is, and I'm going to be honest, I probably use the word divorce in this episode of this podcast more times today than I've used it since I got divorced. And that was, you know, almost 15 years ago. But, um, you know, I, I think that everybody's got a divorce story and there's so much shame and stigma around it. Like I, I didn't like to tell people because then I had to admit that I was divorced. I didn't want to tell people because there's, so you know, I had shame around the fact that I couldn't hold my marriage together. I wasn't, and these are, mind you, these are stories I had in my head, but like I wasn't enough to get him to quit drinking. I wasn't strong enough to love him for better or worse. Like I had promised, you know, I made vows in front of a church full of 300, 400 people or however many were there. I made vows to love him for better or worse and I couldn't do it. And I felt like such a failure. And it wasn't that the details of the story made me feel like a failure. It was just like I had, I was starting to examine my role in the whole thing. And so that made me feel like a failure, I think. And I just, like I said, whether you openly share your story or not, there's stigma and there's shame. And I want people to get past that and be able to, you know, if you're a private person, you're a private person. You don't need to go shouting it off the rooftops or anything like that. But especially if you don't have people in your world who are divorced, because that was the other thing I didn't really have. I mean, my mom had been divorced. Actually, all my parents, when I say all, and I'll, I'll get into that. That'll be another whole episode. But all of my parents have been divorced. and But that was really the only exposure to divorce that I had. Like... None of my aunts and uncles, really. None of my friends, certainly none of my friends at the time. Like, nobody had been divorced. And so nobody understood. And so to tell people my story of divorce, all they saw in it was this horrible thing that this man did with his children, which I, I get that. But there's so much more to it. You know, there, like I said, there's the guilt and the shame and the just the questioning and the like, you know, what, like, what would I have done if the girls had been hurt or what would I have like, I just, there's so much that goes behind it. And I want to talk more about that in other episodes in future episodes. But for now, I just wanted to get my story out there. Hopefully it's gives you a little bit more insight into me. That's another reason I wanted to share it so that as I go forward and I'm talking about things like 
you kind of understand maybe what my perspective is and where I come from with that. Um, and then the other piece is just to sort of, cause everything that I share about myself is always to give others permission to say, it's okay. You can do the same. So that's what I wanted to share with you guys today. Take what you want from it. But like I said, just a little window into some of my background and you know, who I am as a single mom, how I got here, that kind of thing. I will see you all in the next episode. I love you so much and I have so much gratitude for those of you who listen. I love you and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you liked what you heard and you're feeling compelled, I would be so honored if you would leave a five-star rating and share this episode. If you share it on social media, you can tag me at Kari Heard. I am sending you all the love and good vibes, and I will see you in the next episode.